progress. Okay, we're up to Daf Mem Hey Amid Aleph. We're up to the second line. So we said in the Mishnah that the the amount of Bezdin Agadol has to go out to do the measuring for the Egal Arufa. We said it's a machlekes of Shimon and Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda holds five. Rav Shimon holds three. And the machlekes is uh, it says v'yotzu zikenecha v'sheftecha zikenecha because it's plural is two. That's two, and then once it's two, a bezin always has to be odd, so two becomes three. The Rabbi Yehuda darshins sheftecha to include an additional two. So you see that every time there's a plural word, it's additional two people. It's not like it's whether sheftecha is counted. It says the Gemara, El according to your reasoning, that every plural word should be darshin to an extra two people. It also says v'yotsu and modadu. So then it should be an additional four. So if you hold three, it should turn into seven. If you hold five, it should turn into nine. So what do you do with the Yatsu and Madadu? So the answer is the Yatsu and Madadu are needed not for the amount, but to teach you something else. The Yatsu and Madadu are, te- are needed for the following teaching. As the Brisa says, Vyatsu Madadu Likidatanya, as the Brisa says. Vyatsu Right, Yatsu means the Bezdan Agadu goes out to measure. Hey and Veloishul Chehen. They have to go themselves. They can't send a Shliach. The Bezdan Agadu cannot send a Shliach. Umadadu, they measure. Shafilu Nimtzabal Leir, how you Madadin Shemitzlas Medida. Madadu means there's a mitzvah to measure. Meaning, let's say you have someone that was killed right outside of a city. So it's 15 away, feet away from the city. There's no purpose of measuring. I know it's closest to that city. It's not like this. It's not like it's uh, 100 feet uh, equidistant between one city and the next. It's not very clear. Still, there's a mitzvah to, to measure. There's a mitzvah to measure to the closest city. Even if you know from with a naked eye it's the closest city, it's still a mitzvah to measure. Okay. So we said in the Mishnah, who does the measuring? So it's the Bezdan Agadol, three members of the Bezdan Agadol, five members. Masi son to like Ravos Ben Yaakov. Our Mishnah does not follow Ravos Ben Yaakov because he feels additional people have to go for the measuring. The Tan Ravos Ben Yaakov, Zikonecha, he darshins as the Sanhedrin, as we said. And Shaiftecha, he darshins as Melech the Kohen Gadol. Shaifet is an allusion to the king and the Kohen Gadol. According to Ravos Ben Yaakov, every, every Egla Rufa required not only the Bezdan Agadol, members of the Bezdan Agadol to be there, but you also had to send the king. And the Kohen Gadol. How do I know the king and the Kohen Gadol are included in the word Shaiftecha? Melech to Siv, Melech be Mishpat Yamad Arts. You see the word Mishpat regarding a Melech. And Kohen Gadol, so Basel Kahanam will Shaifet calls a Kohen Gadol a Shaifet. So you see that it has to be the Melech and the Kohen Gadol. So our mission is not like that because our mission does not require the Melech and Kohen Gadol to be there. Now here's the question Rav Ozben Yaakov is obviously not like our Mishnah, understood. Rav Ozben Yaakov feels the king and the Melech, the king and the Kohen Gadol have to be there. Great. He also acknowledges that the Sanhedrin has to be there. The question is, does he agree at least with the amount of the Sanhedrin? Meaning, Rav Yaakov is arguing regarding the Melech and the Kohen Gadol. Does he still agree that at least only that only three members of the Sanhedrin has to go? Or perhaps Rav Yaakov feels that you need the Melech, the Kohen Gadol, and all 71 members have to go out. That's the Gemara's Kashi Bailu. Rav Lozben Yaakov, Melech, the Kohen Gadol, who the plea of Sanhedrin, Rav Yehuda, Rav Shimon, Does he at least agree with regarding the numbers that it's either three and five, like Rav Yehuda, Rav Shimon? Or perhaps Rav Lozben Yaakov disagrees regarding the Sanhedrin as well, that he holds you need all 71 members of the Sanhedrin to be there. So, basically, what this very long proof is going to be. Again, the question is, does Rav Lezman Yaakov require all 71 members of the Sanhedrin to go after the Egla Rufa? So what the proof is going to be is there's a concept called 
a zakin mamri. A zakin mamri means that if a zakin, an older uh, old rav, asks the Sanhedrin Agadol Ashaila and they paskin, he's not allowed to publicly disagree with him, and if he does, he gets killed. It's called a zakin mamri. The Braisa teaches that if, let's say, the ruling given to him by the Sanhedrin Agadol, all 71 members, was not given when they were in their spot, their spot is by the Beis Hamikdash, let's say they're traveling in a place called Beis Pagi, a Bey Pagi. Bey Pagi is a, is a place, it's a place, uh, it's it's referring to a place outside of the walls of Yishalayim. So let's say the Sanhedrin Agadol is traveling, they're vacationing in Beit Shemesh, and they paskin to they give him a halachic ruling, and he disagrees. It's not considered a zakin mamre. That's what the Bryce says. Now let me ask you a question: How many of the members have to give him a ruling for it to be a zakin mamre? It has to be all seventy-one. Because if let's say he gets a ruling from two of them and he disagrees with them, that's not a Zakin Mamre, because maybe the other 69 agree with him. So for a Zakin Mamre, you need all 71. Understood. And the Bryce is describing a scenario where they're not in their proper spot. They're traveling. Why would this Sanhedrin Agadol ever travel? The halacha is, they're not allowed to travel for non-mitzvah purposes. You can't have the entire Sanhedrin Agadol leave their spot for a non-mitzvah purpose. So why are they traveling? So the Gemara says like this. Hold on one sec. Recording stop. So in other words, the Gemara is going to ask, why are they traveling at all? It must be they're traveling. Why would any all 71 of them be doing a mitzvah? What mitzvah requires the presence of the entire Sanhedrin Agadol? It must be, Rav Ben Yaakov requires all 71 to go out for for, uh, for Egla Rufa, because why else would they be traveling? Let's see it inside. That would be the potential proof. Amr Rav Yosef, Tashma, the Brisa teaches that we require all 71 to go out for Egla Rufa. Because the Bryce says, If the Zakin Mamre found the entire Sanhedrin in a place outside of Yushalayim and received a ruling from them there and he disagreed with them, you might think that he should get the death penalty. The Pasuk describes the Sanhedrin Agadol disagreeing with the Zakin Mamre in their place. They have to be in their spot. So you see that if the Sanhedrin Agadol leaves, there's no Zakin Mamre. Now, why are they leaving? Dinafikama. Well, how many of them had to? How many of them left in this scenario of the brisa? If it's talking about a case where he only ran into some of them, then how could he be a zakin mamre? Forget about the pasuk. If he disagrees with ten of them, that's not going to be a zakin mamre because maybe the other sixty-one dis- agree with him. Maybe the rest of them agree with him. She did dinafikula. Rather, it must be that all of them left, and he disagreed with all of them. But because of a technicality, they're not in their spot. It's not a zakin mamre. Fine. So the question is, well, why are all 71 leaving? Well, am I, why are they leaving their spot? If it's an optional matter, they have a chasana, are they allowed to Are they allowed to vacation? Are they allowed to travel? The Pesach says, The Pesach says that, uh, that uh, uh, the strength um, shall not be lacking. This is a Pasuk in Sher Shirim. What does this mean? So if one of them wants to leave for a non-mitzvah matter, vacation, whatever, so he has to figure out. They cannot leave. As They can only leave if there's at least 23 left. If So it's a 71, so it's 48. So 48 can leave, but the 49th person cannot leave. So you can never have a scenario where all 71 are leaving for an optional matter. So... It must be that the Sanhedrin Agadol left for a mitzvah matter. 
So what mitzvah would require the presence of all 71? Lamai, lav leg la rufa, revelas ben Yaakovi. It must be they're traveling. Why else would they have all Sanhedrin travel? It must be they're traveling for egg la rufa purposes. And you see the halacha is that according to Vosben Yaakov, they have to, they have to, they, you need all of them to travel, all of them to do the egg la rufa. That's the proof. So Gemara says, no. The halacha is, there was another reason why all 71 would be needed in one place, and it's not egg la rufa. Perhaps egg la rufa does not require the presence of 71. So why are they all traveling? The, 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 to, to extend the Kedusha of Yerushalayim, right? There's certain halachas that Yerushalayim has, certain Kedusha Yerushalayim has, Kedusha Harabais. The halacha is, and this is a process brought down in Eurus, that if you wanted to expand Yerushalayim regarding the Kedusha, there's a process. The Sanhedrin goes out, they blow Shoifer, there's a whole process. So therefore, um, so therefore, um, it could be the reason why they're leaving is to extend the process. Because it's not. Ain Maisif and Alir Valzars, we do not extend the Kedusha of Yishalayim or the Kedusha of Harabayis. El Bezin Shashimvechot. You need the Bezin of Shimvech and you need Bezin of 71. So that could be the reason why they're leaving. So it could be really you don't need 71 for the Egla Rufa. And the reason why they're leaving is for the Ahisafa Al Azars. The Bryce actually, though, the Gemara says that while well, that's a nice rejection, there actually is a Bryce that speaks out that according to Rav Yaakov, you need all 71 members of the Sanhedrin. Tani Kavas Yosef. There's a Bryce that backs up Rav Yosef that according to Rav Yaakov, you require all Sanhedrin for the Egla Rufa. Because the Bryce says, and if the same thing, that Zakin Mamri disagrees with them from a ruling he got when they're all outside of Yushalayim. Kigain, why are they leaving? The Brisa speaks it out. Yotzel medidas egla elahaysevalarizars to do egla rufa or to add to the city. So you see egla rufa, you see that to do egla rufa would also be a requirement of seventy one. So you see that the according to Vosben Yaakov, according to this Brisa, that would be a reason why all seventy one would go it's to do the egla rufa. So you see, according to Vosben Yaakov, you need all seventy one for the egla arufa. Okay, fine. Raisa continues. Okay. Nimsa Tom and Begal if they found the dead body covered by a pile of stones or hanging from a tree, it's not Eglarufa. So you see that if it's covered by a pile of stones, it's no good. The Gemara says, I think this is a proof to Rav Yehuda and not like the Rabbanan. Now, what's the Machlekes Rav Yehuda and not the Rabbanan? What is this about? This is about uh, shikha. shikha is that if a person uh, harvests his grain, if he left, if he forgot a couple, he dropped a couple on the ground and he forgot them, he's not allowed to go back. He has to let it for poor people. The Tanya, the Braise says, You left some grain on the field. That excludes if they're covered. Meaning, if the sheaves are covered, let's say with rocks or whatever, that's not shikha, and you don't have to leave them for the poor. So you see that covered is is that the, the, the pasuk is describing basada basada ta, comes to the exclusion of covered the basada the said no basada is including if it's covered so our brisa over here when it comes to egla rufa it says basada and we said it's excluding covered that's mamish rav yehuda regarding shichcha both rav yehuda and our mishnah are in agreement that the word basada implies open and if it's covered it doesn't count so it's not egla rufa and it's not shichcha the rabbanon say no basada is including covered so they are not like the author of our Mishnah. The Gemara says, no. I'm a Rav. I feel the Rabbon, and the truth is, it could work with the Rabbonon. I so how come the Rabbonon say Basada includes covered grain, but over here it's Basada is not including covered bodies? The answer is, it's just context. It has to do with the context of the Pasuk, meaning 
if the Pasuk until that point inc- implies covered, then Basada implies uncovered. If the Pasuk up to that point implies uncovered, then Basada is implied covered. Basada is just, it's, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's, it's including. So it just depends on what the context is. The Gemara speaks it out. It depends on what the context is. Regarding Egla Rufa, it says, Ki if the corpse is found, that those three words imply the corpse is revealed, where you find it. Ba'adama, therefore, so at that point, it's including open. Ba'adama, pratlatamon, the word ba'adama comes to exclude hidden. That's why an eglarufa is hidden. Therefore, the word ba'adama, so ba'asada is including, it could be according to the Ravon, it includes uh, covered uh, covered uh, grain, but ba'adama is excluding a covered body, it's just a matter of the context of the Pasuk. Bahasam regarding Shikha Minyana de Krahu. Over there it's regarding the following Pasuk. The context is Kisikzar Kitsircha Basada Vishakta Omer. If you're reaping heart of grain and you forget it there. Shikha Dumi de The Pasuk is including the forgotten grain like the standing grain. They're both in the same like the harvested grain. Makatsa Bigali, just like the harvested grain is exposed when it's cut, it's standing and then it's cut. Avshicha begali, so too the grain that's forgotten has to be uncovered. Therefore the word basada is include uh, that which is hidden. So it's just a matter of the context. Okay. So the question is like this, Rav Yehuda, who holds that if the shikha is covered, it's not considered shikha, what, why, why doesn't he say that? Review the Nami, typically Meshicha Dumin the Katsar. Why doesn't he dash like the Rabbanon? That the Shikha has to be similar to standing grain, just like that's revealed, so it's revealed, and Basada comes to include hidden. Why doesn't he say that? Enachanami. He actually agrees. So, meaning, meaning like this Review the holds, Review the holds that if the, the grain is covered, it's no good. So, we had a Pasuk, we had a Hoshikultaira, a Pasuk for it. Why don't you just say very simply, the Pasuk compares hidden grain to standing grain, just like standing grain is exposed, so hidden grain is exposed, just go with that, you don't need a special pasuk, it's just pretty clear, the answer is Enecham, you're right, that is the source for Rav Yehuda, it's not from Basada, it's from Shecha Dumi the Katzer, Ella Basada Lamali, so what does he do with the word Basada? Basada is to include a new concept of Shecha, Shecha is usually where if you cut grain and you're walking and you dropped a couple a couple uh, grains on the ground, Shikha could also be, the word basad is to include, called shikhas kama, forgotten standing grains. So let's say you cut all the standing grain, and there's one stalk that you left. The halach is you have to leave that. Although it's not uh, cut, it's still connected to the ground, you still have to leave that uncut uh, for the poor people. Okay, so that's so that's what the, he does, the, he uses the word basad for. For Rabbanon, shikha is kama minole. How did the Rabbanon know that if you have standing grain that you forgot, you have to leave it for the poor people. Nafkalei, he learns it out from me. Siktzer ketzircha basada v'shachachta. It's from the Pasuk that says, Siktzer ketzircha basada v'shachachta. The fact that the word shikha is connected to the standing grain implies that even standing grain is required to be uh, included in shikha. Okay. Now, Rav Yehuda Mibayle, and what does Rav Yehuda do with that? He uses that for teaching of Rav Amravalazar. The Amravo Amravalazar, Prat, the word Vishachachta, hold on one second. Yeah. Vishachachta is to include the following Prat Lashet Safu, Oimrin Lutaych Sadechaveroi. 
the Shachat of Bisadecha is coming to tell you not that if it's stained in green, because he already knows that, but rather Bisadecha is telling you to teach you Shicha only applies in your field. Meaning, let's say you drop some grain and then it flies into your neighbor's field, it floats into your neighbor's field, the wind brings it in, that's not considered Shicha. Shicha only applies if it's in your field. Once it goes to your neighbor's field, it's not Shicha anymore. Okay? Verabanan, how do they know that? It's from the extra chaf. Basada besadecha, the extra chaf. Rav Yudha besada is a little mashal, and Rav Yudha doesn't dash in the extra chaf. Okay. Boy, Rav Yirmiya. Okay, so we just got finished saying that if you have grain that you dropped and then it floated into your friend's field, that's not considered shechacha. Uh, and you and you could take it. You, you don't have to leave it for the poor. Boy, Rav Yirmiya, Rav Yirmiya, Sakasha. What if, instead of it floating onto your friend's field, it floated onto like a rock in your own field? So it's in your field, but it's not on the ground. Mahu, what's the halacha? So it's no longer, it fell onto a boulder, whatever. So do we say, Do we say, well, the airspace, it's still in the airspace of the field, so therefore it's considered shechacha? Perhaps airspace is different, and it's technically not shikha, and you could take it. So, Amalir of Kandler of Papi, Amalir of Kandler of Zvid, Tipshale Midiravo, Miravalazo, let's bring a proof from Ravalazo, Miravalazo. The Amar Pratlashit Savu, Amalutak Sadhavera. He just got finished saying the only exemption is if the sheaves, is if the grain floats into your friend's field. The implication is your friend's field in Lutak Sadeulai. The implication is it's only exempt if it goes into your friend's field. If it's on your field, even if it's on a boulder, then it would be considered Shekha, and you'd be, re- you'd be required to leave it for the poor people. That's the proof. The proof is that it implies the only case where you're lenient is where it goes into your friend's field. If it doesn't go into your friend's field, you are not. Uh, you don't have to leave it for him. So the Gemara says, According to you, So wait a minute. You're going to deduce from that b'risa that says you go to your friend's field that if it's... It says also regarding your friend's field, which implies that they floated, which means... They're not even on the ground of your friend's field. But if they're resting on the ground of your friend's field, meaning, you're going to deduce from that price that price technically is not just talking about a case where the grain is in your friend's field. It's in place. It's it's a case where the grain is in your friend's field floating, which means it's on a boulder of your friend's field, which implies that, uh, uh, so you're going to deduce from that that if your friend's field is on the floor, it is considered shecha, you have to leave it. That's not true. Rather, So you have to say is that if it falls into your friend's field, it's fine. It's not considered shecha regardless. And the fact that it says Rather, it must be it says because that's the only way that it gets there. Therefore, um, the word safu does not imply that it's not lying on the ground. Meaning, we started with a kasha. The kasha is if it's sitting on your floor, on your field, but it's not on the floor. It's safu in your field. It's floating in your field. It's on a rock. Is it shikha? So the proof is over there. It's safu in your friend's field. The implication is dafka when it's safu in your friend's field. But if it's in your field, it's considered shikha. The Gemara says, but wait a minute. It doesn't have to be safu in your friend's field. Rather, it used the word safu floating, not to say that it's not on the ground, it's just that's the only way that it gets there. So therefore, I have no proof of what it would be like in my field. So we're not sure what the halacha is if it's in your field, but it's not on the floor. Tashima. If you took, let's say you took a hold of the grain, you took it to take it home, meaning you didn't drop it, you're holding it. 
and you put one piece of grain on another grain, and you forgot it. And then you forgot it. So now you, okay, so you picked up both of them, then you put them both down on the ground. So it's not the classic shechel, which is just, it dropped it. This, I was walking home and I put it down for a minute and then I just forgot it. So I put two grain, grain A, and then grain B as on top of it. The halach is, what is the status of these two uh these two shivas, these two uh, pieces of grain. The Tanakama feels that the bottom one is shechacha, but the top one is not, because the top one is floating. Rav Shimon Yehuda, because the top one is not on the floor. Rav Shimon Yehuda, he says, no, both are not shechacha. Why? The bottom one is not shechacha because it's covered, because it's covered. And we said before that according to Rav Yehuda, covered shechacha is not shechacha. And the topped one is not shikha because it's floating. And it's not uh, it's not on the ground. So what do you see? There's a whole machlaikis of whether the bottom one is shikha, but the top one is definitely not. You see from here the top one is according to everybody not shikha. Why? Because it's not on the ground. So that should be an answer to our question. Our question is that if I have a piece of grain that's sitting on a rock, is it shikha? Does it have to be on the ground or not? So over here it's not shikha because it's not on the ground. So too over here by the so too over there by the rock. So the answer is no. Shani asam kivan dachziku could be over there it's different normally it doesn't have to be on the ground but the reason why it's not shikha over there is not because it's not on the ground it's because you picked it up and you took it and you acquired it in order to take it home that's not shikha you just put it down on the ground that you forgot it that's not shikha shikha is when you never really acquired it as you're cutting it drops through your hand but over here you picked it up and take it home so the reason why it's not shikha is not because it's it's on top of another grain and it's not on the ground it's because you you acquired it the Gemara says, wait a minute, if that's the reason, the reason why it's not shikha is not because it's on top of another grain, it's just stam because you acquired it. Then why does it have to be that there's two pieces of grain, one on top of the other? Stam, it has nothing to do with it. If the top one is 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 not shikha, but not because it's not resting on the ground, but stam because because um, uh, because you acquired it, then what, why does it have to be on top of another why does it have to have one on top of it? What's the what's? Why does it have to be on top of another grain? If that's not the reason why it's exempt from shecha, that's not the reason. You're right. That's not the reason. The only reason why it's two pieces of grain on top of another is to because the bottom grain is now covered, but it, it, the top grain is really exempt. Not because it's uh, not because. Um, and not because, uh, uh, what do you call it? The top grain is not exempt because it's not on the ground. It's exempt because it, it's not shikha because um, you acquired it. That, that's why. So it has nothing to do with our discussion. I, wait a minute. But doesn't the Brisa say that the top one is exempt because it's floating, because it's not on the ground? But now you're telling me the reason why it's exempt from shikha is not because it's not on the ground, but because you acquired it. The answer is, when it says floating, it means it's like floating. I mean, the same way an item that's floating is not considered shikha, because it's still, it's, still, it's, uh, it's still floating in the air. So too over here, you acquired it, it's considered like it's floating, but it's not the reason why it's not, the reason why it's not shikha is not because it's not resting on the ground. Okay. I'm Rabbi. Abaya said once, Hareni ke ben Azai Ben Azai said, I'm ready to answer questions like Ben Azai when he was in Tveria. Ben Azai in Tveria, uh, one day when ben Azai, uh, Abaya was saying he felt very clearly, he felt like Ben Azai. So he says, answer, ask me any questions, I'm, I'm good to go. So, Amr Lehahum and the Rabbanu Abaya. A certain rabbi said to Abaya, 
Shnei chalolim zal gavze. You have two corpses, one on top of the other. What's the status for Egla Rufa? So there's a couple options. Mehechanu moidid. So um, how do you measure regarding Egla Rufa? So the shayla is like this. Um, now the cases where the two corpses are not exactly lined up, so they're not exactly ne- they're they're on top. One's on top of the other, but the one is protruding a little bit. So the question is, do you do Egla Rufa? Do you measure from the top, the bottom, or neither? What would be the shayla be? There's a concept in halacha that when you have two of the same items and they're covering each other. Uh, is it considered covered in halacha? Like min bimino, it's called min bimino. It has to do with laws of kashrus. If you have water that's kosher that gets mixed in with water that's non-kosher, I don't know how that's about. Okay, wine that's kosher, that's mixed in with wine that's not kosher. So you can look at it as it's completely mixed in together. You can look at it as it's completely separate. It has to do with different ways to perceive it. So min bimino havatoman, do we say that the bottom one is considered covered, although it's they're two corpses and they're the same, made from the same, uh, you know, fibers, whatever, whatever flesh and skin and bones. But at the end of the day, the bottom one is covered. In which case, because the bottom one is covered, you do not have egla rufa when it's covered. Therefore, you measure from the top one. Mimbimina le have itself. I the top one is floating, right? It's not resting on the ground. Yeah, but it's it's on a corpse. Meaning, so you could look at it like this: when you have two corpses on top of each other. You could look at it as the bottom one is considered covered because it's covered, but the top one is not considered floating. It's as if it's resting on the ground. So you measure from the top. Or, or the opposite. You could look at it as the top one is not resting on the ground. It's like floating, so it's not Egla Rufa. The bottom one um, is the Egla Rufa. I, it's covered. It's not covered because it's just another body. It's the same species. Oidilma. Or perhaps neither Egla Rufa. Why? The bottom one is covered and the top one is not resting on the ground. So, what's the status? Basically, if you have two items that are made of the same species, what is the status of is it considered covered or not? So, it has relevance regarding Egla Rufa because if the body is covered, there's no Egla Rufa. So, I'm really go to the next page, Chinisua. The Brisa teaches. Right, these two cases again. We had this before. You have two pieces of grain that you're taking to go take home. You put them down one on top of the other, and you forget it there. So the bottom one is considered but not the top. says no. Neither the bottom one is covered, and the top is floating. Oh. So therefore, so let's understand this machloikas and how it relates to Egla Rufa. Savrua, we assume, so you have a machloikas, everyone agrees that the top one is not shechcha because it's floating. The machloikas is, what about the bottom grain? So Savrua, we assume, Hani Tanoi, Kerav Yehuda both these Tanoim agree with Rav Yehuda, Damar Besad the Prat Latamun, that if the grain is covered, it's not shechcha. So what's the machloikas? So why is it that they argue about whether the bottom grain is, is shechah? If you agree that it has to be covered, that if, if you agree that covered grain is not shechah, then what's the machlokas about? It must be the machlokas is, when you have two items that are identical and they're on top of each other, is the bottom one covered? Meaning, everyone agrees that to- covered grain is not shechah. What's the machlokas of whether, is whether this is covered? So to over here, we have the two bodies whether the body, bottom body is covered and not having Egla Rufa or not, is this Machlekes? The Gemara says, Loi. No. 
It could be that when you have two items, the bottom one is definitely considered covered. And for Egla Rufa purposes, everyone would agree that the bottom body, bottom body is not Egla Rufa. So what's the argument about? The argument is whether a covered grain, meaning everyone agrees it's covered, the Machlechus is whether covered grain is considered Shechacha. Of what the covered grain is considered shechah, that's kuvah this machlaikas. That's kuvah the machlaikas. So wait a minute. So you tell me that this machlaikas, when you have two pieces of grain that are sitting on top of each other, whether the bottom grain, everyone agrees that covered, that it's considered covered, that just the machlaikas is whether covered grain is shechah. So why do you have to have, why, why does it have to be that it's covered by another? Uh, another grain, why can't it be covered by rocks? It would be the same exact conclusion. I mean, this machlek is a stam whether covered grain has shikha. So why don't you just have it that is covered by rocks? You're right, it would be the exact same conclusion if it was covered by rocks. The chiddush is that although the two items of grain are identical, it's still considered covered according to Rav Yehuda. Okay. It should be it uh, for the difficult sukkahs. The rest of the daf is a lot easier. Tanur The Pasuk says, Cholol, which means you find the corpse that was for Egla Rufa. Chol means that it was killed with a sharp object. Cholol v'lei chanuk. It's only Egla Rufa if he was killed by a sharp object and not strangled. Cholol, also v'lei mefarfa. Cholol also implies that the body is dead when you found it and not when it's dying. Ba'adama, Ba'adama implies Le'itamim Begal, not covered by stones. Noifel falling, Vloitali Be'ilon, not hung from a tree. And Basada, Vloitsaf Al Pnei Hamai, in Basada, and not floating on the river. So the, the word Chalal uh, excludes um, anything that was not killed by a sharp object, anyone not stabbed. And the word Basada and Noifel and Ba'adama excludes covered, uh, hanging, and uh, floating. Okay. Revelazer Oimer, he says, no. Revelazer says, out of all these drushes, I disagree with all of them except for the, the pierced by the stabbing part. It has to be stabbed, Revelazer says, that I agree. But I don't care if it's covered, I don't care if it's floating, I don't care if it's hung. As long as it was killed by a metal object, a sharp object, that's considered, uh, that, that, that's considered Agla Rufa. Which is a little strange because you have four drushes. He agrees with the first one and disagrees with the next three. So the Gemara already says that Tanya, Amrav Yaisi Bar Yehuda, Amrav Lazar. They said to Rav Don't you? Why do you? You agree that the stabbing part—that's Iker. So Al Machal Vloi Chanuk, Hachanami Ba'Adam Vloi Tam Begal, Noif Vloi Talabi Ilan, Basad Vloi Tzav Benayim. Meaning, I don't understand. You have four four words in the Pesukim, Chalol, which implies that it was stabbed. That you agree with. But Noifel and Badama and Basada, though you disagree with. Why? So it says this Ravalazar Khal Yusarikse. Ravalazar says that this the actual word Khal is written twice. Both of them is to tell you that Khal is the only one that matters. That means that it has to be killed with a sharp object, but if it was strangled, it's not considered an Eglarufa. Okay. The Mishnah then said, if you find a dead body near the border town of Eretz Yisrael or near a town, uh, a town mostly by Goyim, and if you find it near a border town, meaning the closest town is outside of Israel, so it's Jordan or Syria or Lebanon or Egypt, whatever, Goyim, then there's no Egla Rufa. 
and also, or if it's near a Jewish town, but the majority of them are Goyim, meaning an Israeli town, most of them are Goyim, it's also Noeg Larufa. Why? Because the Pasuk says you find it. That implies that there's some mystery as to who killed it, as opposed to over here, you know it was killed by a guy. If it's a near a town that's Goyish, there's no Noeg Larufa. And the Mishnah also said that there's no Eglarufa if the nearest town has no Bezdin. To be in a Zikni Ir because there is no elders to perform the ritual. Then the Mishnah said, Ein Then the Mishnah says, we only measure to a town that has a court. So, Pshita, yeah. Well, we just got finished saying that there's no Eglarufa if the nearest town doesn't have a Bezdin. Then it says, you only measure to a town that has a Bezdin. Yeah, it's repeating yourself. So the Gemara says, no, Hakamash Malon, Kedetanya, the Bryce is teaching you the following Chiddush, Minayan Shem Nimtza Samach Le'ir She'in Ba Bezdin, Shem Nichan Oysem Ba'idin Le'ir She'yesh Ba Bezdin, Tamalev Velochu Zikneh Erehim Ekomakim. Chiddush is that if the nearest town has no Bezdin, it's not that there's no Eglarufa. You measure to the nearest town that has a Bezdin. So let's say the dead body is right outside of town A. Town A doesn't have a Bezdin. Then the halacha is not that there's no Eglarufa. You measure to town B, the closest town that has a Bezdin. That's what the mission means. Okay. Fine. The Mishnah says, Nimsa Mechuvin, Bein Shtei Ayaros, if you found the body between, exactly between two towns, then Shtei Mevin Shtei Aglis, you do two Aglarufas, each town bringing one. Divir Avalaz, that's what Avalaz says. Another Chiddush, Ein Yushalayim Mevi Aglarufa, there's no Aglarufa for Yushalayim, so if the nearest town is Yushalayim, there's no Aglarufa. Uh, now another halacha. Now this halacha, the Gemara is going to explain, is not related to Eglarufa, but rather it's related to burial. The halacha is that if you find a dead body in any spot, that you bury the body in that spot, or at least it has the rights to. So let's say it has no grave, you could bury it where it is, because the halacha is that a body is even if it's in someone's backyard, he has the right to be buried in that spot. What happens if the body is in one location, but the head was decapitated and it's 10 feet away? So where do you bury the body? Do you bury the body where the head is and you move the head, body to the head? Or vice versa, you bury the body where the body is and you move the head to the body? Now, the same Rav and Rav argue in general, where do you measure regarding Egla Rufa? From which part of the body do you measure the distance to the nearest town? Rav Lazar Tiburai. Rav Lazar says from the stomach. Rav Akiva Mechaitma. Rav Akiva says from the nose. And Rav Lazar Yaakov Makam Shinasachal from the place that he got stabbed, which is Savare from the neck, meaning the neck, because that's a lot of times where people are killed. Okay. So, my time with the Rav Liezer, what's the reason of Rav Liezer that you could have two towns that are equidistant from each other exactly that you bring two Aglarufas? He says, He believes that it's possible to be exactly equidistant, 50 feet on one side, 50 feet the other, without any, you know, min- millimeter off. The Kraiva, when the pastor says nearest town, I feel the Kraiva, it could be nearest towns. So you could have multiple Aglarufas. Okay, then the Mishnah said that Yerushalayim does not have an Eglarufa, Damar Karla because the Pasuk says the town that you bring the Eglarufa from is inherited. It implies that it's only a town that was given over to the Shvatim, split up in the inheritance to the Shvatim, and Yerushalayim, according to this opinion, was never split up the Shvatim. It was, uh, it belonged to all the Shvatim entirely. It was never split. It, it, it belonged to the nation as a whole, but it was not split up. Okay. 
Then the Mishnah said that if you have the body and the head are in different spots, what do you do? Do you move the body and the head or vice versa? But Michael Mifigli, what is this related to? This can't be related for Eglarufa, that where should you start measuring from the body or the head? Because on the Mitani because the next line of the Mishnah described where they where they argue about where you measure from, and it's either the stomach or the nose. So it's definitely not the head or the body. So what is this machlaikus regarding the head of the body? It's regarding the concept of a mace mitzvah, that if you have a dead body that's found somewhere, the halacha is... You have the right to bury that body in its spot. A body, a dead body is kind of It acquires this, the land under it. So the question is, where did he die? You have the head and body are in different locations. Do we assume that the body fell, that's where he died, and the head rolled? Or do you say, no, that really where the head fell, that's where he died, and the body just kept sort of kept moving uh, uh, titch, twitch-wise, it kept moving after the head was already severed. One opinion feels that where the body is, that's where he died. And the head just rolled. The other opinion says, no, the head is where he actually died. And the body just kept moving uh, like uh, like the leg of a lizard, the tail of a lizard, that it kept moving. Okay. Then you had a machloikas, and I think this is the last sugya, um, as to where do you measure the, uh, regarding the eglarufa, do you do it from the, the, the stomach or the nose or the or the neck? So, what's the machloikas about? Rav Kiva holds that the main element of one's life is the nostrils, which is air, because that's that's the ichor of life. And Rav Lazar says, no, it's the belly, because that's where the nourishment goes through the body. Okay, so where's the ichor chiyus of the body? Is it from the air, or the nourishment of the of the, of the the nutrients of the food? So, lema kihai tanya. Let's bring a proof that it's like the following machlegas. Mehechan avlad neitzer. Is a shail of, how is the fetus born? formed. What's the first part of the fetus? So the, the first price says, Meroisha, it's the head first. The pasta says, uh, you pull out the hair. So goizi, which is a reference to the hair, that's the memai imi, atagoizi, that from the mother's womb, you are, you goizi, which is a reference to hair. So you see the head is first. Abashalam metibure, he says, no, from the navel. The navel is the first thing made, and the rest of the body forms. So perhaps the machloikas of where you measure egla rufa, because what's the ikr? Is it the nostrils or is it the stomach? That should, could be the same machloikas in general of how a fetus is formed. The says no. The answer is no. It could be completely unrelated. All Abishol is saying that's how the body is formed. That doesn't mean that's the ikr of the chiyas of the body. The ikr chiyas, the ikr livelihood of the body is from the nostrils. It could be that the body is formed from the stomach, but the ikr chiyas is from the nostrils. It's completely unrelated. One with this, Rav Elizabeth Yaakov says that you measure from the neck because that's where he's killed. My time to Rav Yaakov, the civil Rishaim. Because it says that you place the necks of the chalale of the Rishaim. The Pasuk word chalo, which is the same word in the Egla Rufa, and this Pasuk says chalo regarding the neck, so you see it's all, uh, it should be measured from the neck. I'll stop here.